But we want to finish up with mercy. And, uh, you know, we want to get back to Jesus in mercy because we are uh, those uh, that are called uh, Christians, ones who follow this Jesus of Nazareth. The reason why people were called Christians is because they were um, being merciful to people in their cities. And they said, oh, those are followers of Christ. And so if we're going to be about mercy and justice, we need to be about Jesus. And we need to sit and learn from the feet of Jesus. And so we're going to go back to a story you probably know. Um, We are going to go back to uh, John 13, where Jesus washes feet. And if you'd come up to John this point, if you're reading John through, you would see something changes right here in chapter 13. The first 13 chapters are all, or or 12 chapters are all about Jesus' kind of earthly ministry, all things going on. The whole second half of of, 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 uh, of John is about the last week of his life. So this is where it actually turns on its head. And so we start learning something about John. Uh, we, we, we need to be attentive to this kind of change of, 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 uh, of focus that John is going to have for us as we read the scriptures today. His, Jesus' public ministry is over. He has, besides the trial and the crucifixion and all that hard stuff of that last week, this, it, it's pretty much his public teaching is done. He is having an inside conversation with his disciples, one of the last ones he'll have with them. And he talks to them about mercy. He talks to them about how he wants them to live and how he wants them to, um, to experience the kingdom. Turn with me to your bulletins and I'll read to you the scriptures before us. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Well, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His, only, his whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was, who was going to betray him. And that, uh, that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on the clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is a disgusting story. I hope you understand that. I mean, most people's feet just stink anyway. And we wear socks. Right? 
This is kind of nasty. It's supposed to feel kind of nasty. You think, oh, if think about how you would have to do this, and we'd kind of walk into our houses on our carpeted floors with our our covered shoes and then take off our covered shoes and our socks that cover those that have probably taken a bath in the last day, maybe two max for normal kind of American hygiene and uh, uh, a college hygiene, maybe a few less, a few college students out there, uh, maybe once a week. Um, anyway... You take off your shoes and someone starts to wash them. And you have that little lint in between your toes, right? It's disgusting. But think how much more disgusting it must be in the first century. Feet are nasty. Feet are really nasty. And feet are even more nasty in the first century. Walking around with open-toed sandals. That's If you had shoes, you were rich. You are somewhat near rich. You're at least middle class. And you're dealing with these nasty Scabbed, filthy, mud cake, sewage sullied feet. That's right, in the streets. That's the kind of feet you would see. The first thing about this is that it should be shocking. I um, was telling, so I was with the Chittisters last night and uh, I said, What are you preaching on? I said, uh, Toe jam mercy. Because that's that really awful word for uh, the, that lint. But it's, when it's toe jam, it's not just toe lint, it's when it's wet. You know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's nasty like that. And Todd Chittister, the one who always likes to make things take on a little step further, said, you know what I like to call it? Uh, they call it toe cheese. I'm like, oh, that's sufficiently revolting that I can tell people in church on Sunday because that's exactly what you want to think about. Now, you nurses and doctors are like, oh, bodily fluids, whatever, I don't care. You know, you're used to all that stuff. But for lay people like us, that's just nasty. And you need to experience it as nasty. Because Jesus, remember what we're doing here. This is a really important turn in John. And he's really trying to teach them something here. And he's schooling them. He's discipling them. He's got them in the inner circle. And what does he do? He scrubs some nasty feet. That's what he does. And what we do here as we turn to Jesus and we look to him, we're going to see something that, that we want to be emblematic of all the things we talk about in terms of mercy. We need to talk about receiving mercy replicating mercy and receiving it again. But not just mercy, receiving toe jam mercy. Replicating toe jam mercy. And then receiving the blessings of that mercy again. We'll start in the big kind of receiving mode. We'll start with receiving. Receiving toe jam mercy. What are we talking about when we talk about toe jam mercy? We're talking about that Lent, I know, but there's something else going on here. And you get some hints in the scriptures. I want to the very first verse is, a, is the first hint you have. I was, uh, it was uh, just before the Passover feast. If you were a disciple or a Hebrew or were a Greek in the time and knew of anybody who was Hebrew, you knew this was a big deal. We were about to have Passover feast. We were about to celebrate God's bringing his people out of Egypt. About the plagues and stuff, you know, Pharaoh, all that jazz, all that kind of stuff that's going on. This is what they're celebrating, the the, uh, the passing over of the uh, spirit of death that came over and killed every firstborn child. That's what you're celebrating. It's a hefty thing. If you were reading through this and you said it was a Passover feast, you'd go, oh, something just changed in the story. Let's pay attention. Then even more goes on. It says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave his world and go to the Father. 
Okay, another, another twist. So the backdrop's the Passover feast. And now Jesus is about to change things. He's about to go somewhere. He's about to leave. This is going to be some kind of uh, culmination, some redemptive historical culmination that's occurring here in this washing of this feet. Or, or they don't know the feet are about to get washed, but they know something's going on. As you're reading this, this is what you would have uh, responded to. And then it says that he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. Now, I think washing feet is a beautiful thing. It's incredibly sacrificial. But do you think Jesus was only talking or dealing or embodying this parable and doing this act because he really thinks that the real solution to his explaining his love to the world is just to clean feet? There's so much more to that. And you get the picture of this, that what, what is this toe jam mercy you're talking about is the gospel itself. The largeness of what's going on here in these first couple of paragraphs, all the stuff that is going on here is an example of what um, is, is to point us towards uh, the, the, the rest of this week. He did pick up a basin and a towel, but he picked up a basin and a towel with his eye towards the cross. He knew that he was going to do a fuller, truer, deeper cleansing. And our response to that is to give him our filth. You see, the, the toe mercy talked about in the beginning, the mercy that he's talking about, the cleansing, the literal cleansing he's talking about is that he would cleanse people from their sin, that he would cleanse the world from its sin. That is literally what he is projecting back on. And the reason you know this is because of that little passage where he says, um, he says, uh, let's see, <clears throat> I just lost my space. You do not realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. He, he is setting them up so that, that after the death and resurrection, he would come, they would come back and recall that the death and resurrection which bought their sin, which cleansed them from all unrighteousness, actually the, the foot washing was an emblem to that. It was a parable of that. And that is what's going on here. The first thing we do in receiving mercy, the first thing we do, we do in receiving uh, uh, the first thing we're supposed to do is receive this mercy, receive this washing. You understand that that is the tension that's going on here, the back and forth between Peter. Peter doesn't want it. The back and forth that you read is he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me. The real tension of this passage is that we don't want to give him our filth. The response to the first kind of lesson in mercy is to receive mercy. And in order to receive mercy, we give him our toe jam. This is a very uncomfortable thing. You see what Jesus' demands here. This is hard words. You are dirty, I am dirty, and you need to be cleansed. Our toes are nasty and so are our souls, and we need to be washed up. Jesus demands a humility, a a, a brokenness. What's in Peter's way? I can only imagine. He's like, well, I'm not picking up what you're putting in. I don't need what you're giving. I don't need the cleansing you're talking about. I'm better than some of these other guys. Or, no, 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 you can't do do it, Jesus. you're, You're my master. You can't be doing that. There's something that's getting in his way. And Jesus says, you know what? If you think that anything can get in the way of my cleansing, then you'll have no part of me. That's unbelievable. That is really an unbelievable statement that Jesus would say that to Peter, his beloved friend. 
He would say that to him. We're to give it to him. You know, I, um, it takes this such a humility. Excuse me, I, I got some water. <clears throat> Jesus demands that we come to him in this kind of humility, this kind of brokenness, this kind of admission of filth. And it's really hard for us. I think I saw it best in my life when I worked at the Chapel of Christ the King which is actually on 17th and Caldwell Street, right around the corner. And it's an Episcopal church, and it, we only had about 20 people come to church on Sunday. Um, and there's only about 50 seats in the whole place anyway. Um, but we'd leave the doors open, and it was around Easter time, though it was still um, uh, kind of nice outside, and so, or it was beginning to be nice outside, so we left the doors open. And uh, there's one part in the service, uh, in an Episcopal service that happens in the Catholic church too, where you walk down, uh, the priest uh, through the processional walks down, <coughs> And uh, lays prostrate on the ground and prays for a little while. It's this, uh, as one priest told me, my one push-up for the year. And he goes down in front and he, uh, he prays. And it's this real symbolic act of submitting yourself before the Lord. And the priest does it. Of course, he's all decked out in, in robes and other things like that. So it doesn't seem as quite as, uh, as, uh, as not so much humble, but uh, not so much broken and, and weak. But one time, uh, uh, when I was working at the Chapel of Christ the King, a guy walked down. As the priest was walking down, uh, semi, I don't know, I don't think he was homeless, but uh, just drunk as Cooter Brown guy comes in and it smells like crazy, both alcohol and whatever else. Um, and he comes in and he kind of follows the priest right down the aisle. And there's only 17 of us, so we're just kind of all watching. And the priest doesn't know it because he's behind him. And he comes down and he kneels. I think I'm going to... Get some crazy feedback. He kneels and he goes prostrate. I'm not going prostrate because something bad's going to happen. Um, um, and he goes prostrate. And the other guy comes back to comes and walks alongside of him. Uh, smells to high heaven. I mean, literally, he's walking down and it's like the Red Sea. People are going, "Whoa!" You know. Uh, and the guy kneels down and he tur- looks next to the priest right before he's going down prostrate. And he says, "I've been a bad man." And he goes and he kneels before the Lord. Have you been a bad man? Well, you admit that you've been a bad man. I'm assuming, and Jesus does too, that we're a filthy mess. That we either drunk on something like alcohol or drugs or greed, control. Will we admit that we're just, we're bad? Will we kind of just kneel and just say, you know what? I give you my filth. I give you my all. I will lay prostrate before you. I will not manage my repentance. I will turn to you just as I am, the wreck that I am. You know what this means? This means we can come to him with all the junk and filth that's in your life that you've been hiding for so long. You're free to come to him and say, you know, the noxious odor of my sin, I can be given to you. I can say I've been a bad man. Whether it's pornography or... uh, extramarital affairs or uh, experience that uh, shames you in some other way, whether you stole something, whether it's some hidden secret, whether someone hurt you or not, you can come and say, not only have I been a bad man, but bad people people have been bad to me. You can own it as it is in the filth that you experience that may be legitimate filth or not, and you can come to him and say, cleanse me. And that is the beginning of mercy. It's mercy received. We turn to him 
And the crazy thing is that there's a hard edge to this. I would, I would love to say it's just an invitation to be clean, an invitation to be cleansed by our Lord. But it's not. It's actually a demand. He says he's Lord and teacher. And he says, I need to clean you or you have no part of me. And it's really hard. I wish it weren't there. I wish it was a little easier than that. But it's true. So we come and we give them our filth. But in order to give them our filth, there has to be a requisite and a prerequisite of trust that we have. You see, you can't just give anybody your filth. You know, you've probably done it before. You've given somebody, some, told somebody something, and they've ruined it and ruined you. And so there's got to be this trust that's involved. And all I can say is let's model Peter in this. When Peter got that thrown on the table, whether it's I either have to trust you or I have to trust myself, he goes, well, forget about it then. Just wash everything. Get whatever you need. You can wash my hands, my feet, my head, and just big scrub-a-dub-dub bath. Anything you need me to do, I will do. Peter had this trust of Jesus. He had earned it over time. He had uh, learned from his words that before he could even give him his filth or as he was giving him his filth, he had learned to trust that Jesus was a safe one to bring your filth to. You know, that's what we do at Christ Central on the, on the uh, assurance and, uh, um, and the confession and assurance. That's what we're trying to train us to do so that we could run from our being called to worship and say, thank you, God, so much for calling us to worship. Oh, I've been a bad man. Oh, thank you for forgiving me that you're a trustworthy one to bring the badness to. And then we can worship even further and truer and more and longer again. That's what the flow of our worship is. That's why we do what we do so that we would get used to bringing him our filth and get used to trusting him for forgiveness of sin. You cannot bring your filth to one you do not trust. The first thing we do in all of mercy, the first thing we do in toe jam mercy is receive toe jam mercy. We get him to pick out the lint between our toes, every little bit of it. It's hard. It's really hard. The experience of that is devastating sometimes. Some of you have been injured in such a way that you don't feel like you can trust anyone, much less the Lord. And then when we're told to embody it within each other and tell each other stories, I'm not trying to force it. But I do think we're called to it, and it becomes a beautiful and liberating thing. We should have patience with each other. We should have patience uh, with ourselves even. But it is hard to really own who we are. It reminds me of a story that Brendan Manning tells where... where where he is uh, interacting with this uh, Amish family. I don't. Uh, I think I'm getting this right, but it's a book and it's from a while back. And the, he's going to visit this Amish family, and this 10-year-old boy, and he has some type of learning disability. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's kind of unkempt. Um, he tends to uh, uh, drool, and he's he's young, and he's you know he's an Amish guy. So I guess they're uh, working in the farm, and uh, uh, when. Uh, Brennan comes to meet the family, the boy, let's call him Billy because I really don't remember his name and I'm sure that Brennan changed his name anyway, uh, drops the pitchfork, the kid drops the, the Billy drops the uh, pitchfork and runs to Brennan and he jumps up and he, he, he jumps up into his arms and starts kissing him 
and thanking him for being here and coming and visiting his family. And Brendan says that in the middle of it, his, he, he just was struck by wanting to throw the kid across the room because there was slobber all over him. And he was giving him these kisses that just felt he was unsure of. And it felt quirky and awkward and weird. And he didn't want to receive any kind of love like that. He didn't want to have any of that kind of love. And he just, he was utterly, uh, everything in him wanted to just throw the kid across the room and just go, ah, oh, I need my space. I want you to know that that experience is what it should kind of feel like receiving this toe jam merciful love. It's kind of disgusting. <laughs> it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable to trust that the love that Jesus shows us is one that we can trust, is one that we can, we can experience, that we can hold to. It is very, very difficult. I'm not trying to make it easier and, and color code it. It is very difficult. And everything in you will want to stay in control and say, no, you can't. Let's manage this. You can't wash my feet. Not you, because you're more honorable than me. You can run any excuses you want to. But unless your feet get cleaned, you don't get to know Jesus. And that's exactly what he's saying. And it is hard. As he transitions from mercy received he moves into replicating mercy i don't i don't know if you uh you, you look at the regular passage but it also switches at verse 12 it says when he had finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what i've done for you he asked them you call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that is what i am now that i your teacher and lord have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet You see, he's switching it now. He's switching from mercy that you need to receive embodied in his interaction with Peter to mercy that you need to to do. He was moving from the Savior, the cleanser, the rescuer to the exemplar, the person that you're to model. Now, you have to understand that cleansing changes here. The washing he's talking about changes here. Jesus is not saying, I want you to now go wash feet as I just washed feet in this sense that I am pointing to the redemption that I bring on the cross. You guys can't, and I cannot pay for my own sin. That's exactly what he's talking about in the first part. In the second part, he switches the, the metaphor. The, uh, the, 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 or he Same metaphor, he just changes the meaning of the metaphor. It points to a different thing. And basically what he's talking about is the manner in which he serves. If we're to replicate his mercy... If we're supposed to pattern ourselves, uh, uh, if we're called to pattern ourselves after the way he does mercy. And this is really hard. This is the part where he talks about, it says that, uh, that uh, I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I felt, uh, I tell you that, out, uh, that, that there's no servant is greater than his master and there's no messenger is greater than the one who sent him. You see, Let me give you two ways in which we're supposed to replicate the service that we're supposed to do at Mercy and Justice. The first one is downward mobility. And the second one I'll call the Judas Principle, and and we'll we'll get to that one in a second. The first one is downward mobility. And this one is fighting against everything in our culture. We're supposed to receive all this toe jam mercy, and then we're supposed to replicate this toe toe jam mercy. Oops. And uh, and we're supposed to do it in a way that makes us downwardly mobile. If someone would have come into the room when Jesus was washing, his, washing their feet, they would have thought he was the slave. If someone would have walked into the room, they would have thought he was the slave. 
And in fact, he couldn't even have been a Hebrew slave because the Midrash, which is a kind of um, uh, commentary on the Old Testament, not authoritative, the Midrash actually said that no Jew should clean another Jew's feet. So he was not only supposed to be a slave, he was supposed to be a, a Gentile slave. Jesus, it's so cool in the other passages, he's, in the other part of the passage, that he knows that he's come from the Lord. He knows he comes from this high and lofty place. He knows that he is called to be Lord and teacher. And that is what I am, he says. He has no qualms about saying, this is my authority and the place that I belong to. And this is what you're supposed to give up as you serve me. The thing we're supposed to replicate is precisely this downward mobility. He took off his garment, his outer garment, got half naked in his world, got half naked and began to pour water on his feet. No, everyone would have been flabbergasted. Peter's not really that crazy to have said what he said. He's actually pretty normal. It's this... We live in a world that's upwardly mobile and ladder-climbing society. And, and, and we live in a society that, that, that uh, you're always trying to get ahead and get beyond. And Jesus calls us to serve in a way that gets behind, <laughs> that makes it look like we're less than what we are sometimes. Now, I don't mean that this is a lack of dignity. I don't mean that this is a, 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 a lack of... of when it's so hard to say you're supposed to act like a slave and not have the, the, the dehumanizing factor of that. I do not mean that. It's precisely the opposite. You can only act like one who serves like Jesus if you know the dignity that you've been called to in the first 11 verses. Only when you know that you're this one who's been cleansed and can be known and trust this Lord Jesus that you can actually serve freely. It's only when you have that knowledge and it's, te- it's tight within your heart, when it's really uh, known and known well, that you can freely serve another person. And it's okay if you're mistaken as the slave. This means if you're a quarterback, you look like the water boy. It means if you're a manager, they mistake you for the janitor. When people, leave, uh, 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 when people enter your home that you're serving them, nobody does this. I wish this was actually a secret way to actually advance in the world. And so that I could say, well, this is just a strategy to actually make it look good. I'm actually telling you this is a strategy and it will look bad. But I think this is the kingdom way. You actually will look less than you are. And the Lord will receive great glory from it. And as we'll find out later, he says it's precisely the stuff he blesses. Every church in America struggles with nursery. Because diapers are nasty. Barely a church in the world struggles with worship teams. Not, not what goes on in worship teams, but the people wanting to do worship because it's public. Diapers is where the kingdom is, though. It's also here, too. I'm not trying to do it. But diapers is toe jam mercy. No one's going to think... You're special when you're changing diapers. You moms know this. You know this well, you dads too, but you moms especially, mostly, uh, know this. That no one thinks it's special. No one thinks it's great. It is, though, what exactly what he's talking about, this downward mobility. Some of you have left prestigious jobs, um, uh, moms specifically, have left prestigious jobs, have done uh, amazing things in your lifetimes, and you've uh, decided to... Uh, 
to do diapers instead. And I want you to know that that downward mobility is precisely what is applauded in Jesus' parabolic act today. That's exactly the kind of things we're talking about. Now, there's others as well. I just want to encourage the moms uh, today because I know that they sometimes go, man, I wish I could go back to this old thing or what have you. Uh, but diapers are the stuff of mercy. Let me give you another example of what the stuff of mercy is. A couple of, uh, I guess it was probably our fourth or fifth week in the neighborhood theater. Now, you can understand that Pastor Howard and I are not really good at logistics. So we actually didn't have all the teams formed ready to do all the stuff that we do. Nursery, you know, uh, I mean, worship, everything. So we were doing a little bit of everything. It was like the fourth week we started in worship. And the bathroom in the back, the men's bathroom, which is always near nasty, uh, was unbelievable. One of the stalls, I don't know what happened, but it was a mess. It was everywhere, things everywhere. Don't even know what all was. Uh, we walked back there, and Howard looked at me, and I looked at him, <laughs> and he goes, let's get the bucket. Before he preached, the fourth sermon he probably preached in this building, he went back and cleaned all the stalls, cleaned everything out, cleaned feces off of everything. I know this is disgusting, but I'm trying to get you toe jam mercy thinking. Cleaned it all up and then came here and delivered the word of God. I almost didn't want to tell you because it messes it up a little bit. Right? Because now it's like heroic. It wasn't heroic. Nobody knew. Nobody knew that he did it. He actually told me I had to go do some other things. He said, I got this. So it's not heroic on me at all. <laughs> I was like glad, you know. Uh, that's exactly what your pastor did to help plant this church, to help get it started so that he could proclaim the word of God. You know what? I wish I could say it's the best, most important sermon in the history of the church. I don't know. I don't remember it. But I know that that formed how we think about mercy and justice and how we think about ministry. We clean crap off stalls and don't and nobody else knows about it that incredible downward mobility of Jesus from glory to hell but there's something even worse I'm sorry there's something even worse going on here and that is that John makes explicit in verse 2 verse 10 and verse 11 that Judas was there another way in which we model Jesus' mercy as we replicate this is not just the downward mobility, but we serve those who will oppress us. Jesus washed Judas' feet who took a couple shekels of money and sold his best friend out. And Jesus still washed his feet. I don't even know what that's... I can't come up with a good word like downward mobility. I don't know a good one for that. That's just like Judas was there. That's the principle. Judas was there. And so whatever is in our lives, the other ways that we're called to serve, to replicate this Jesus, is to wash our enemies' feet. And that's unbelievable. I, don't, I was trying to figure out a way not to say that because it's on me too. We treat each other as uh, if we can't serve each other sometimes in all of our teams and things like that. And we get frustrated with each other. And Jesus says, not only just serve your disciples, the guys you're cool with, but to serve the people who you're not cool with and who don't like you. Serve, look like a slave in, some, in front of someone who can't wait for you to look like a slave. That's unbelievable. 
What is that all about? Think about that now image. And I'm going to use black and white here. But there's a black man cleaning the stalls. If someone would have walked into St. Howard, let's say it's a person who's an oppressive uh, person who is glad to see a black man cleaning up stalls. Howard would still clean the stalls to serve his enemy. It's an incredible, incredible thing that Jesus calls us to. He calls us to serve in light of this Judas principle, that we would take people who are enemies and serve them nonetheless. Now, again, I want to be clear. I do not mean with lack of dignity. There's some of you who, um, who have been beat up and burdened and trounced upon, and part of your dignity will be revolution. We've talked about this enough in mercy, uh, long enough. I've got empowerment mercy. You know me. I'm a justice fool, right? But we still serve our enemies. And the person I would say the modern saint to look through here is Martin Luther King Jr., who understood this, who was spat upon, who was killed in service to his brothers. He actually wrote this after his, uh, one of his last death, thre- death threats. If physical death is the price that I must pray to free, wi- free my white brothers and sisters from a permanent death of the spirit, then nothing can be more redemptive. The very spit he received, he received to save the spitter. That's unbelievable. That is so much like Jesus, I don't know what to do with it. I do not know what to do with it. Receive. Replicate this downward mobility and this uh, serving your oppressor. And then rest. Rest and receive again. Look at how the whole passage ends. Jesus responds to all this stuff by saying, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. This ends in a blessing. You've already got the beginning blessing of Jesus saying, I've come to cleanse every single part of you, all the little nooks and crannies of your toes. I've come to wipe your feet and bless them. Uh, and bless you with my cleansing. And yes, I'm calling you to replicate this. If you don't come to me, and you, uh, if you have to come to me with that filth, and I will heal it. And then you have to replicate these things. I have some hard things to say to y'all. That's what he says. And then he says, and when you do those things, I'm going to bless you more. This part I really don't understand. And it's the most beautiful part of all. Is that there's something about a peace of a life lived like that. There's something about something that Martin Luther King can say where there's this rest in the middle of knowing that he's facing death, that he knows he is right with his God and right with his mission. And knows that he's right with doing what he's doing. There's a blessing there. I don't, it doesn't say materially. We already talked about downward mobility. This is not the blessing he's talking about. He's talking about touching and tasting the kingdom in a different way than you've ever had before. That's what he's talking about. That's the blessing that he's given. It starts with grace, this filth cleansing that happens. It includes this replication that is difficult, but it ends with grace again. As Jesus says, I will bless those efforts that I know aren't yours really anyway. They're a replication of me, and you can only do them as you come to me. But I will bless them the same. I've um, had an experience that was like uh, Brennan Manning's. It was my about first 
first year in ministry, uh, not ordained pastoral ministry, but I, I worked in a, in a kind of underprivileged community for a couple of years. And there was this guy who, was, uh, who, who basically had no physical contact with anybody. He was a hypochondriac. I don't. I think now, pastorally, I can look back and see uh, in ways that he was kind of manipulating me and some other things like that. But I was just gung ho, and I just wanted to um, be with somebody and try ministry <laughs> and and sit around and talk and uh, you know just just try loving on somebody. He's a hypochondriac, um, uh, and uh, so I would sit with him. I'd probably meet. It was kind of a Tuesdays with with Maury kind of feel. You know, I just meet with him once a week or what have you. And uh, things started to turn a little bit, and. Um, he, he wanted to um, have me do more stuff. And finally, we got to a point where he asked me if I could shave him. He had gotten really scruffy, and uh, uh, he didn't feel like he could do it. And I didn't know what to do. I was scared to death the entire time. I, I was like, I'm going to run out of this room. I'm going to just like throw the kid across the room. I'm, I'm going to run away. I don't know anything about boundaries, really. I didn't grow up with them very well, so I didn't know to say no. I experienced this thing uh, with him. I was, frankly, um, I felt nervous about what, how he would re- experience it, what, what have you. I mean, we just it was just a big old mess. It was just a big old mess. And so I tried to shave. I don't know if you've ever shaved somebody else, but this is like a very difficult task. The barbers are like amazing. Um, uh, so I'm trying to just do this thing and shave him and we're having this interaction and it's just quirky and weird. And it is precisely from that moment on that didn't go well. I, I think I didn't even get the whole thing done. We talked. I just told him I, we couldn't do it anymore. We uh, went on. Through that whole time, uh, it was precisely at that time where our friendship began to emerge as genuine and real. Where I was able to tell him, hey, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this. Um, I would be willing to do it, but I, we need to know each other a lot better than this. Um, we need to have a, a, a frank set of conversations. He was able to kind of interact with me. He actually told me that he could probably move his arms and probably do the shaving. He just hadn't had human contact. He hadn't been touched in years. That's what I mean by the blessing of things. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Somehow I got changed and he got changed. And it didn't even get the, I didn't even get all the toe jam out, you know? I mean, I, you know, I just kind of tried. And I was blessed because I did them. I didn't even do it right. And we became a friend, became really friends and, and talked. I mean, he still had all sorts of psychological issues and I was still a young wannabe pastor and we had all sorts of issues still, but we had... Uh, there's, there was blessing there. And I want to encourage you that there is a solution to, um, there is a, a, uh, an end. Uh, as we go to Jesus and he kind of sits by us and he says, you know, receive mercy from me, this, the, the, um, the mercy of uh, me cleaning out your toe jam. And then he goes, no, no, go replicate that. Go do that in the world. And as hard as that is, and then he comes back and says, I will bless you if we do it. You know, the end of what all we're talking about uh, in all this mercy series is receive from Jesus, replicate, and receive again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you... um, that you are 
on a hunt to clean out all the lint between our toes, all the dirt within our heart, that you are, um, you are one we can trust to do it, that you uh, will do it with a steady hand, uh, not too hard, not too light. It may cause pain, but that we can trust the hand that is behind the basin and the bowl, the basin and the towel. Lord, I do pray that you would give us courage, just outrageous courage and faith to trust you, that we can come to you with our stuff. But outrageous courage that we might be able to replicate, that we might be able to serve our enemies, and that we might take a downward path. Lord, also help us trust. Help us trust that you will bring blessing. We ask this all in your name. Amen.